this is great. I always love uh, being here because I never know what's going to happen. But uh, <laughs> and this is one of those Sundays. Uh, it's always good to be here. This is kind of home from a long, long time ago, for those of you who don't know. Um, Marlene and I, this was actually the first uh, church that we attended together when we were married back in 1976, so that's a long time ago, and, uh, uh, but uh, we, we hearken back. Hey, I want to thank you as be- being part of the ministry family, uh, the Global Free Methodist Church. You, you may or may not know, but we have about 15,000 churches in 91 countries around the globe. Some of them uh, you won't see on our website because they're called Creative Access Countries. And uh, creative access means where uh, churches aren't supposed to be there. They can't be registered in those countries. And, uh, and in fact, I go to some of those frequently. One of them I can't tell you about happens to be the most populous country in the world, and you're wearing clothes from there. But, uh, but, um, and we actually have almost 4,000 churches there. So uh, the, the Free Methodist Church is quite large in that area. Uh, I work in Asia as well as uh, the, the western part of the United States in an area that really uh, constitutes more than half of the Free Methodist churches globally. Uh, I do want to say thank you. I just wanted to take a moment to do that. Uh, because of all the stuff that's going on, you may not know, but there's a lot of stuff that your church is doing. Um, the largest typhoon in the history of India struck last October. Um, over 200 Free Methodists died. Uh, we, uh, 15 of our churches were destroyed. More than 150 homes were uh, totally decimated. Um, crops of most of our farmers, etc. But uh, people rallied, whether you know it or not, a little sliver, a little piece of, uh, of your offerings on a regular basis go. It's about, it comes out to about 2% of the, the funds that, uh, that you raise uh, go to support ministries around the world and uh, what we do here in the United States and abroad and really helped in those settings uh, get people up and running again and functioning. We're grateful for that. One of the uh, most traumatic areas of the world is in the Middle East. I think everybody's been following the news on that. And uh, just to kind of let you know what one little church can do, we have a church in Jordan. Actually, we have a handful of churches in Jordan. But w- one church in Amman, Jordan, where the Syrian refugees and the Iraqi refugees were pouring across the board- border. Jordan was allowing people to come in because of all of the the, the uh, problems that they were having. They, people were walking for a month, two weeks, three weeks to get to Jordan. And uh, they would get there with just the clothes on their back. They didn't really have any provisions, had no occupation. They're, the place was overrun with refugees. And one little free Methodist church with about 50 people said, we've got to do something about this. So they started praying and asking the Lord to open up the opportunity for them to serve people, Christian and Muslim alike. And they... Uh, they have a huge square outside of their church, and they turn that into like a mini refugee camp. And uh, the people that started pouring in, more and more of them found out that they could find uh, relief there. And they provided food, uh, clothing, and uh, bedding supplies, as well as toys for kids, etc. And literally set people into, uh, set the wheels in motion for people to find a place to be. And uh, they serviced, get this, a church of 50 people. They serviced 18,000 refugees, 18,000 refugees. It was co- it's costing between 10, uh, excuse me, between 15 and $20,000 a month to do what they're doing. And yet every month the Lord has brought the resources in since, uh, since they've been doing that in October. And you're contributing a little bit to that. Free Methodist Church has given about $85,000 toward that amount. Uh, that, and, and money has come in from other places as well. Here's the thing I'm delighted about. They're offering 
hope to these people that are coming. And, uh, and it's very, very difficult to see people in Islam come to faith in Christ. But they've had more than 80 people make professions of faith and come to faith in Jesus Christ that are Muslim. And uh, those are 80 families, not just 80 individuals, 80 families. And so we're seeing kind of a, a restoration of things that are going on. So you're a part of that. Great things going on here in the United States. You may or may not know. I, the church has been in difficult times uh, in, the, in the United States. Obviously, there are a lot of threats against the church. And yet, the Free Methodist Church grew by 8% last year, uh, which is uh, the fastest-growing evangelical church in the United States as a denomination right now. You may not know that, but we just got those numbers uh, recently. So uh, keep up ministering to your community, doing the things that you're doing. Thanks for being a part, and it's always a delight for us to come back to, uh, to home, to Spokane, where I can actually tell people where I live and they know where it is. So it's not Seattle, right? Okay, God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you. I always look forward to hearing Bishop Matt share because it reminds us that we're part of something so much greater than this, than just 1725 West Cortland. Uh, we're part of making a change around the globe, which is awesome. Uh, as part of the body at First Church, you know that our mission, our vision is being disciples, making disciples of Christ. And we do that through our communion with the Father, through inclusive community, and through living sent, through living on mission. I want to invite up Josh who has just been with us for a short season. We knew that. He was gonna, he's going to be an intern uh, with us based out of Moody, but we had a connection with him through Tom Greco. Uh, this is Josh's last Sunday with us. Um, so we're going to send him because once you're here at First Church, whether it's one week or three months or 60 years, you're always a part of us. So we're going to send you as one of ours. So I guess my question is, what's next? We're, what are you doing? Um, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, this summer I'm going to be working in Seattle doing landscaping. Uh, I know a buddy who owns a landscaping business, and I worked there last summer, so I'm planning on working there for the summer, and then probably doing another um, couple semesters of Moody. So I might, I'll, I'll be back. I'm Very not good. leaving for good. That's good. That's good. How can we be praying for you? Uh, I need wisdom. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just young guy trying to figure out life. Um, I need wisdom and, um, yeah, just discernment and direction on where I want to go and what the Lord wants me to do. Perhaps so. the best thing to ask for, wisdom. A wise man once asked for that. Well done. I seem to recall some story about that. <laughs> yeah, you may have heard it in Awana. Very good. Uh, we want to pray for you. We want to send you. I'm going to anoint you with oil. Um, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And we want to do that. We're going to send you into whatever it is God has for you. So I want to anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then I will pray for you. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for Josh and the season that we have had with him. I uh, thank you for the impact he's had uh, on us, um, most specifically on our kids at Awana but also on those he's been able to interact with um, here on the larger church. God, as he has asked for wisdom, I pray that you would give it to him. I pray that you would give him discernment. I pray that you would give him next steps. And I pray that you would give it in your time. Uh, God, allow him the, uh, the faith and the trust to wait on your sovereignty and to know that you are in charge and that you are guiding and directing. Lord, we send Josh as a body here at First Church into the world. 
may he be a light for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Here's this. And I'm going to do a call to worship, Tim, that is great for those who have been in the FM church for quite a while. Grab this green book. It's called a hymnal. On the inside of it, page 177, there is a responsive reading talking about God's goodness. Go ahead and flip there. Uh, where it says, worship leader, I will read. Where it says, everyone, all of you guys can read. So let's go ahead and stand together as this will be our call to worship. Page 177. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. His mercy endures forever. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Oh, this is fun. I like this. No offense to the adults out there, but I'm going to talk to them. We're going to have a conversation instead of a sermon, okay? Sometimes I'm going to ask you questions and you get an answer back. Sound good? That's a question. Does it sound good? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me see that first picture up there, DJ. Here's my question to you guys. In your home, who's in charge? Told you it was a loaded question. Yes. Your mom and dad. Wow, that, that's a safe answer. Who's in charge at your home? Okay, mom and dad. Parents. Man, I was hoping for like calling them out. Yes, your dad. Sorry, Carly. You. <laughs> God, okay, good, good. How, the dog? I tell you what, I'm going to talk about your dog a little bit later. Sound good? Awesome. How do you know that the people you mentioned were in charge are in charge? What type of things do they do that show that they're in charge? They give you punishments and tell you what to do. That definitely displays being in charge. Cody? Okay. Tells you what to do. What else do they do that lets you know they're in charge? What are some of the small things? That happens. In every household, that happens. Give me, give me like something small that shows that they're, um, yeah, Esri? Cares for you. How? 
Tucking you into bed. Perfect. Talking to you when you're upset. That's good. JJ? Making meals. Very good. Very good. Cody? Yeah, loving you enough to kind of guide and, and, and correct. Yes, Tane. They help you make good choices. Good. Good. So your parents, what I hear you is telling me, is that they're in charge in small things, like making food, maybe helping you decide what to wear, what time to go to bed, how much time to have on media. But my guess is that they're also in charge of big things, too, like where to spend the money, where to live. I mean, things that could have a big impact. I know one of your fathers does some things for a big company that could have global impact. You know, I think a lot of your parents give money to, to sponsored children, which could then affect uh, tribes or entire people groups so they could have global impact. So your parents do things that, that show they're in charge of big things and small things. You want to know a secret about your parents? Yeah. Sometimes there are days your parents wish they were not in charge. <laughs> and all the parents are nodding. There are days they wish that they could not feel the pressure of decisions that they have to make. And I want to give you guys a way that you can help them. So on days where they're not wanting to be in charge, you just say four simple words. God is in charge. Go ahead and put your hand. What? How do you know if they're having a bad day? You'll know. You'll know. <laughs> That's a good question, though. If you see them kind of stressed, if you see them worrying, if you see them fretting about decisions that they have to make or maybe the consequences of decisions that they have made, and it looks like they're carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders, just remind them. Tap them on the, on the side very gently and say, hey, mom, hey, dad, God is in charge. God is in charge. It's a simple truth. One that we all know, but one that we need to be reminded of regularly. So say it with me. God is in charge. And adults, we can hear some adult voices too. One more time. God is in charge. How do I know this? The Bible tells me so. And more specifically than that, the prophet Zechariah, who we've been looking at for the last couple weeks, tells me so. And he tells me that God is in charge in big ways and small ways. Before we look at some of the story from Zechariah, I want to pray to ask that he'd guide our time. So let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you that your word is alive and active. And I pray that this morning you would speak to us through it. May your spirit move. Uh, may we understand what you have to say for, uh, to us, whether we are eight or whether we are eighty. We trust that you have a message for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are in the prophet Zechariah, and he's called a minor prophet, but he has some major messages. Two weeks ago when we started this series, the major message that he told us was, remember your past and learn from it. Now, you guys don't have as long a past as your parents do, but someday you can remember your past these days, and you can learn from it. Last week, we looked at how God told the Israelites through the prophet Zechariah that it's time to rebuild the temple. 
And then we looked at how we, as God's people, are God's temple. And we asked the question, are there things that we need to be rebuilding or taking better care of in our life? This morning, the major message that we're going to look at from Zechariah is the simple truth that God is in charge. And this is a message that the Israelites in that day would have welcomed. They would have said, oh, that is good to know. Because for about 65 plus years prior to Zechariah saying this message, uh, the Israelites, they got taken over by another people group. They got taken over by the Babylonians. They were, some were killed, some were taken captive. Their city and their temple were destroyed. And for 65 plus years in that time, the Israelites weren't treated well. So you got to think that for the Israelites, it would have been easy for them to say, "Uh I don't know if God's really in charge anymore. It seems like the Babylonians are in charge. We work for them. They take our stuff. They mistreat us. They do whatever things they want to to us. I don't know if God's in charge. But then Zechariah comes along and he says, no, wait, wait, God is in charge. And he said this at the last, in the last uh, verse, of, not the last verse, but the last chapter of his prophecy. We can see it right up there on the screen. It's Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 and 9. It says, watch, for the day of the Lord is coming, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord. His name alone will be worshipped. So obviously, because of a verse like that, we know that God is in charge of the big things. Because it says he's going to be in charge of all the earth, king of all the earth. So kids, what are some of the big things that you can think of that God is in charge of? God's in charge of your parents. Yeah, that's good. JJ? He's in charge of the earth. We sang several songs that talked about that. I hope you guys picked up on that. Cody? He's in charge of everybody. Those are definitely big things. Ezri? He's in charge of making it so we can live. Yeah, in charge of making it so we can live. Kylie? The universe. Yes. He's even more in charge than Captain America. Malia? The world? Yeah. All big things that God is in charge of. Cody, one more. He's in charge of everybody, right. Oh, he's in charge of infinity, yeah, and beyond. The way God communicated this to the Israelite people was to speak directly to the need that they had at that time. He spoke about what he was going to do to the people who held them captive. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 says this, Then the angel said to me, Shout this message for all to hear. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. My love for Jerusalem and Mount Zion is passionate and strong, but I am very angry with the other nations that are now enjoying peace and security. I was only a little angry with my people, but the nations inflicted harm on them far beyond my intentions. Now, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Zechariah says, After a period of glory, the Lord of heaven's armies sent me against the nations who plundered you. For he said, Anyone who harms you harms my most prized possession. I will raise my fist to crush them, and their own slaves will plunder them. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Now, God, being in charge of everything... 
had allowed the enemies to take over the Israelite people. But they took too much liberty. They took too much, uh, too much choices and inflicted uh, way more harm. They gave way more harm and pain than they should have. So now God was saying, look, I am going to pay them back for their wrongs. He was going to prove that he was still in charge of the big things. Now, sometimes God did that by giving uh, dreams or visions to his prophets. And sometimes those dreams and visions were kind of cool, kind of crazy, kind of odd. And he talked about different things at different times. One of the times he talked about animal horns. They may have looked something like that. And in the same dream, the same vision, he talked about blacksmiths. Listen to it. See if we can make sense of it, okay? This is chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Then I looked up and saw four animal horns. What are these, I asked the angel who talked with me. And he replied, these horns represent the nations that scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four blacksmiths. What are these men coming to do, I asked. And the angel replied, these four horns, these nations, scattered and humbled Judah. Now these blacksmiths have come to terrify those nations and throw them down and destroy them. Kind of sounds to me like God is in charge of the big stuff, huh? Yeah. Now, another time, God talked about chariots patrolling the earth. Now, see if you can pick out what color the horses were, because I'm going to ask you that, and you can tell them back to me. This is chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Zechariah says, Then I looked up again and saw four chariots coming from between two bronze mountains. The first chariot was pulled by red horses the second by black horses, the third by white horses, and the fourth by powerful dappled gray horses. And what are these, my Lord? I asked the angel who was talking to me. And the angel replied, these are four spirits of heaven who stand before the Lord of all the earth. They are going out to do his work. The chariot with Black horses is going to the north, the chariot with white horses is going to the west, and the chariot with dappled gray horses is going south. And the powerful horses were eager to set out to patrol the earth. And the Lord said, go, patrol the earth. So they all left on their patrol. And the Lord summoned me and said, look, those who went north have vented the anger of my spirit. They're in the land of the north. Again, kind of looks like God is in charge of what's going on. Now, without looking up at the screen, because I think there's colored horses up there, what were the four colors of the horses? Caleb. As he looks up to the screen. Red horses, what else? Yep. Yep. And gray horses, very good, very good. If there was any question at all that God was in control of the big things, God made it clear. He left no doubt when he vividly and graphically talked about what he was going to do to the enemies of Israel. This is chapter 9. 1 through 8. It says, Doom is certain for Hamath, near Damascus, for the cities of Tyre and Sidon, though they are so clever. Tyre has built a strong fortress and has made silver and gold as plentiful as dust in the streets, but now the Lord will strip it away. And they'll hurl its fortifications into the sea, and it will be burned. The city of Ashkelon will see Tyre fall and will be filled with fear. Gaza will shake with terror, as will Ekron, for their hopes will be dashed. The 
sound like God's in charge? Even of the nations that took over the Israelite people? Yeah. So then the surviving Philistines will worship our God, and they'll become like a clan in Judah. The Philistines of Ekron will join my people, as the ancient Jebudites once did. I will guard my temple and protect it from invading armies, and I am watching closely to ensure that there are no foreign oppressors that overrun my people in their land. For the Israelites, the biggest thing that was wrong with the world was the fact that they had gotten taken over and these people were still controlling them. So God says to them, look, I'm still in charge of the big things. I'm in charge of the things that really rock your world. So, kids, simple yes or no, is God still in charge of the big things today? Just say yes or no. Ready? Is God still in charge of the big things today? Very good. That is 11 yeses, no noes. So we're going to say that, yes, God is still in control of the big things today. Kids, there are times that your parents will change the TV station because there's things on the news that maybe you guys aren't ready to see yet. There's a group called ISIS, which is a group that is doing bad things to Christians around the world. And there's other places where if you profess that you're a Christian, they're going to put you in jail. I don't know if you caught it, but as Bishop Matt was talking this morning, they call those places creative access churches, where you have to keep your faith a secret. Now, it'd be easy for us as parents to look at that and to wonder, is God still in control? I mean, look at what's on TV. Look at what these bad people are doing. But God reminds us through the prophet Zechariah that he is still in charge of the big things going on in the world today. That is super comforting and super reassuring. And we can be reminded of that because of our verse in Zechariah 14. How about you guys read it with me, okay? Watch, for the day of the Lord is coming, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord. His name will be... Thank you. You guys got all the words in there. He's in charge of the big things. And all the adults said, amen? Amen. Here's the cool thing, kids. God is also in charge of the small things. And we get to see that in the prophet Zechariah also. I know that we've just been talking about the way God is in charge of the big things, kind of by disciplining the other countries. Some of you mentioned that that's what your parents did to show that they were in charge of you guys. And it'd be easy to see God doing that to these big countries and wonder, well, does God, does, is God still in charge of like individual people? Does God get into their lives? Does God get into their homes? Well, listen to what Zechariah says in another one of these cool uh, visions that God gave him in Zechariah chapter 5. Zechariah says, I looked up again and saw a scroll flying through the air. That's kind of like a long piece of paper that has writing on it. What do you see, the angel asked. It says, I see a flying scroll, I replied. It appears to be about 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. Then he said to me, this scroll contains the curse that is going out over the entire land. One side of the scroll says that those who steal will be banished from the land. And the other side says that those who swear falsely will be banished from the land. And this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. I'm sending this curse into the house of every thief. And into the house of everyone who swears falsely by my name. And my curse will remain in that house. 
and completely destroy it, even its timbers and its stones. Sounds to me like God's in charge of the small things, too, even inside people's houses. Yes, Esri? Oh, I'll have to check that one later. Thanks for pointing that out. Was there a yellow horse? Google Images then got it wrong. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out, Esri. Sounds like God's in control even of the small things, right? Now, I realize that in the things that we've been talking about, it's kind of made it seem like every time it shows God being in control, it's, it's because he's disciplining, he's punishing. But God's in control of positive things, too. 1 Peter 5.7 5, says, Give all your worries and cares to God because he cares about what happens to you. And we can see throughout the Bible multiple times that God is in control in positive ways. We could talk about the story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath and how um, through this encounter with Elijah, God kept filling this widow's jars of grain and olive oil, even though there was no rain in the land to grow the grain. And we could talk about all sorts of other examples in here, but I realize that with you guys sitting there listening to me for the last 10, 15 minutes, you're probably thinking, when does this relate to us? I'm going to tell you. Because God's in control, even of the small things in your guys' lives, too. Esri, a couple of weeks ago at Awana, during our time at the beginning, you asked for prayer. You raised your hand and said, we need to, can we pray for Splat the cat? Remember that? You asked for prayer. Because Splat had disappeared. And your parents and all the other adults and anybody with any sort of sense thought to themselves, Splat's been gone for quite a few days. I really don't think he's going to come back. But you asked for prayer. And we prayed for him. And many people prayed for him. And after nine days of being gone, Splat the cat came home. Eight days. Excuse me. Nine sounded more dramatic. After eight days of being gone, Splat the Cat came home, which is an answer to prayer. God's in charge of the small things even in your life. Caleb, you got a dog named Michael. Is that Michael? Yeah? Okay, good. We got the right picture. That looks like a mean, vicious watchdog. But when a dog like that lives on property and goes outside without proper supervision, there are all sorts of things that could happen to a dog like that. So last week, we could tell you were a little bit down in the dumps. You know, you were a little bit sad because Michael disappeared. And you figured, as did your parents, as did any one of us that had sense, uh, that maybe the same coyotes that took your lamb also took Michael. But your mom took out, she, she put a request on Facebook to pray. And pray we did. And what was it, the next day? Sunday. Two days later, Michael came wandering home. Right? God answers prayer. He cares about even the small things in your guys' lives. I've got a friend who last month was told he had a brain tumor. Okay? To him, that's a big thing. To me, that's a big thing. But he's just one guy out of like 7 billion on the globe. And yet God reached down and made things happen to where we're about a month out, he's already had surgery from the best surgeon in the Midwest 
The, the tumor is 100% gone, gone, and every time he had a chance to talk to somebody about this, he was telling them, hey, God's in control. God's in charge. I think I was more scared for him than he was because he knew this truth that we're learning today, that God is in charge. Can you guys think of any small things in your life that we haven't mentioned yet that God's in, contr- in, in charge of? Small things. Ezri? Talent shows and recitals. Talent shows and recitals. Yes. That is true. Sometimes people get really, really nervous, and God's in, God's in control of that. Malia? He's in charge of you, but you're not a little thing. That's good that he's in charge of you. Ziva? Minute to win it. Minute to win it. I don't know. Worry about that. Well, he's in charge of the games that you play. The, the... No, it's not a game. It's just something that has numbers. Oh, it's not a game. Okay. You only get a minute to win it. Very serious. But it would, it would still be a small thing that God would help with. Yeah? Okay, good. I'm going to have to play that non-game that's very serious. Tane, what's a small thing God's in charge of? He's in charge of ants. Yes. Very true. JJ? Your gymnastics meets. Yeah. Cody? In charge of worms, Monica. Your karate lessons, yeah, yeah. He's in charge of all kinds of bugs. Yes, the small things. The God of the universe, who simply spoke, and things came into being. Who controls nations? Who controls lands? Is also in charge of the small things, because as Zechariah said. He says, watch for the day of the Lord is coming, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day there will be one Lord. His name alone will be worshipped. So let's review. So far we've talked about God being in charge. We've looked at him being in charge of big things, and we've looked at him being in charge of small things. And in both of these we've looked at mainly how he's in charge of people. We sang a bunch of songs earlier today that talked about God over all creation. God of the universe. God who knows the stars, the names of every star, and sends lightning bolts where they need to go. God is in charge also of nature. Zechariah tells us this. God simply spoke and the worlds were made. God parted the sea, the Red Sea, and the Israelites walked through on dry ground. God held the sun still. Because Joshua prayed so the Israelites could finish a battle. God and Jesus walked on water, calmed the storms. He was in charge of the wind and the waves. The prophet Zechariah also tells us that God is in charge of nature. Listen to chapter 12, verse 1. It says, This message concerning the fate of Israel came from the Lord. This message is from the Lord who stretched out the heavens laid the foundations of the earth, and formed the human spirit. In chapter 10, he says, They will pass safely through the sea of distress, for the waves of the sea will be held back, and the waters of the Nile will dry up. God is in charge of nature, too. If I asked any of you guys to make it rain, could you? 
Caleb's thinking, yeah, I got a hose in the backyard. I'll just turn it on and I'll make it rain. Could you make water fall from the clouds in the sky? No. No, but God can. And God reminded his people that through the prophet Zechariah, there's one time when God said, you know what, pray for rain and I'll send it. Ask the Lord for rain in the spring, for he makes the storm clouds. And he will send showers of rain so that every field becomes a lush pasture. Now, there's also a time that God said, hey, I'm going to not send the rain. Same prophecy. Chapter 14, verse 17. Any nation in the world that refuses to come to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of heaven's armies, will have no rain. So God's in charge of the big things, the small things. And as one example that Zechariah talked about, God's in charge of nature. Kids, I started off this morning with you guys asking you who's in charge of your house. And most of you said mom or dad, and, and JJ, you said God. Okay? After hearing our little conversation today of a God who's in charge of big things and small things, even into getting into our houses, who would you say now is in charge at your house? God. And your parents. Yes, because God has given your parents permission to be in charge. Is that what you're going to say too, Monica? Yeah, most definitely. Guys, there's going to be a day when you grow up and you're going to worry about decisions that you have to make. You're going to worry about the consequences of decisions you already made, and it's going to feel like you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. And I hope that you remember who is in charge. Zechariah told us that the day of the Lord is coming, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. This is a major message from a minor prophet, one that no matter how simple a message it is, we all need to be reminded of regularly. Can you kids say amen? Amen. 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 Let me pray, and then you guys can go back to your parents. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much that you are in charge of all things. I thank you that you showed that to us through the prophet Zechariah. I thank you that as simple a truth as it is, it is deep and profound, and we have to be reminded of it regularly. God, as I had conversations last night, and as conversations this morning with friends who are going through crisis, I was reminded of this, that it's you who is in charge. And I'm thankful for that, Lord. Help us learn this major message from this prophet in a very real way. And we thank you that you are in charge. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Kids, you guys can go back to your seats. You know, as the song says, sometimes we're in the presence of somebody who is in charge, in control of everything. All we can do is stand in awe of God, which is great. No formation hour this morning. Enjoy your holiday weekend. And may the God who is in charge of everything bless you and protect you. May he smile upon you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen? Amen. And amen.